Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Mimos Fractalus, and I'm your host, Orin Castillo. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Crazy Cups. Crazy Cups is located at one and a half miles on the Philip Golson Highway. They sell all kinds of flavor slush drinks with or without your choice of candy topping, ice cream sorbet for the vegans, nachos, pizza, hot dogs, cotton candy to your flavor of choice, popcorn also to your flavor of choice, and chamoy apples. New stuff is added every week. Your quote for today, science knows no country because knowledge belongs to humanity and is the torch which illuminates the world by Louis Pasteur. And your mat joke for today, why do teenagers always travel in groups of three or five? Well, as they always say, they can't even. My very special guest today is Mrs. Audrey Joy Grant. Mrs. Grant is the current governor of the Central Bank of Belize, but in a previous lifetime, Mrs. Grant co-founded the program for Belize and was the organization's first executive director. Mrs. Grant, thank you for being on the show with me today. Thank you for having me. Recently, about three weeks ago, Fort Farms science students of St. Catherine Academy attended an overnight trip to the La Milpa Station, which happens to be the third largest ancient Maya site in Belize. Mrs. Grant, you were instrumental in the vision and realization of the Rio Bravo conservation area. Please tell us about the process of making this conservation area a reality and about any difficulties you encountered. Okay, thank you. Um, I think I should start by saying when I first heard about the program for Belize, I was a diplomat in Washington and a group of persons with people from Massachusetts Audubon Society came to meet with the prime minister, saying that they had a project that they wanted to do in Belize. I heard about what they were doing and became very excited. I thought this was something that I would want to be involved in. And then I got the job as executive, uh, chief, chief executive officer. What was different from the very beginning with Programme for Belize was that we agreed that we would raise the funds to purchase the land so that the land cannot be taken back from a government or anyone else and put back into uh, into production. So that was first the biggest difference. And through the years, until we could purchase it, we did fundraising um, activities here and in the, in the United States. We were buying this land from the Boeing and Boeing group. The, it was a lot of it was a lot of, of money, but we were very successful. And today, the only plaque that I move around with me is the plaque I was given to say that four percent of the country of Belize is now in protected status permanently for the people of Belize because of the efforts of Program for Belize. There were challenges along the way. Um, we were a new organization. The, Audubon Society had been here for quite a long time, so we had to make sure that everybody knew what we were doing and that we were partnering with them, that we were not going our our own separate way. And from that, um, there were many, many things that we we did together, many firsts, and um, for all that we were able to accomplish, I'm still very much, I'm very proud. 
Okay. You mentioned that, yes, the Rebava Conservation Site, it covers approximately 4% of the area of Belize. Also, I have researched that there are around 200 species of trees and around 290 species of birds that can be seen in the area from time to time as they migrate. Why was it so important that a portion of Belize be set aside to protect these flora and fauna? Well, that's a good question because, yes, it always comes down to the protection of flora and fauna. But this project was different. From the very beginning, even long before climate change issues are as popular as they are today, that was one of the issues that we focused on. So we were focusing on standing forests to protect the flora and fauna, but also because the forest itself has so much value. You talk about things like uh, uh, environmental services where you could pay for water. And also then it was discussed, and some countries have done it, to pay to keep the trees standing because, of course, they take carbon dioxide out, out of the atmosphere. So we had um, projects that we would put plots. Uh, usually it would be an acre, something bigger than that, and we would go and do every with census, every tree within that area, work out how much carbon dioxide was being taken from, from the atmosphere and use that to say to the world that you have to protect forests because of climate change. And now we are seeing the effects of climate change every day and we have to then do more of projects such as Program for Belize and not less. Okay. While I was um, with the with my school at, um, at La Milpa on the trip, the science students, the girls, indeed do an exercise where they, they laid out their quadrat and measured the area and counted how many of different types of species of trees they did. So it was something similar to what you spoke about just now. Um, also, while at the La Milpa Lodge, I noticed that the Eco Lodge uses solar panels. Can you tell us um, how long they have had solar panels installed? Well, and to just go back with what I was talking about, and I didn't want to use uh, you know, these words, but actually it's carbon sequestration. Uh-huh. And that is, a, we started it. One of the first projects in the world actually was done here with several different organizations from many parts of the world. And of course, a lot of other countries are doing, are doing it now. But your question was about... The solar panels. The solar panels, yes. Again, a decision was made by the people at La Milpa, but actually more from the program for Belize that all of our sites, as much as possible, would use renewables. So we had, uh, we have solar panels, and at that time we also had uh, special toilets, and um, and I haven't been for a little while, so I'm not sure how much is there because these things are difficult to, to keep and actually, actually expensive. But whenever we could use a renewable, that is what we did. And in, in, in the early days of Program for Belize, we used to have a program for high school students in the United States. Some years we would have 700 students that would come and pay to do one week in the forest and one week on the reef. And that, of course, would be money that we help, that we help, uh, that we use to fund our administrative um, overhead expenses. So the um, so again, that's another important part that when you have a, a, a an organization, it's a non-governmental. We never took any 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 money all the time I was there from government. We raised it separately 
because I think what you need is your independence to be able to do uh, the things that you and your board believe are the, are the right things to do. Okay. You mentioned those um, special toilets. I remember it was quite a shock a few weeks ago when we were there for the young ladies. Most of the young ladies are from the city and they were like, um, they were response when the guy told them, okay, when you're done, then you have to cover it with sawdust. They were like really shocked. Like what? So I thought that was quite funny, the, the girl's reaction. And I'm glad to hear that because those toilets, I started at Program for Belize. 1989, and I left 2001. So it's before that. So it, so it works, and it works then really well for it to still be functioning. Yes, still working quite well. Um, how would you rate Belize's current use of renewable energy sources compared to the capacity that it has to be, um, that it has, in you know, um, the capacity that it can be using renewable energy sources to? Well, now this, this is um, a little bit of program for Belize and a little bit of Minister of Energy. Mm-hmm. And um, Belize is actually way ahead of the Caribbean countries and many other countries. We have over 70% of our energy source coming from renewables, especially, of course, the biggest amount is from the dams. Um, and um, I must say that it's something that we looked at earlier and we weren't very happy, but we have them now. And at least it's helping us a lot um, with with um, using renewables. The of course we still get um, energy from Chetamal, etc. But that is something that if we continue the way we are going with more and more renewables, and I understand that's the government's intent, that um, pretty soon we we, we should, could be almost there. Um, that all or almost all of our energy will come from renewables, and it. Many times when I would travel to the Caribbean, they would be so amazed that we are getting over 70% renewable. Okay. I had a follow-up question, but you answered what I was going to ask, actually. (laughs) I was going to ask you, what do you see as the future for Belize work pertains to renewable energy? But you you just spoke about that. We're heading towards the direction of having greater than 70% renewable energy, right? so I know you have also been um, an ambassador to um, Brussels for Belize, right? Can you tell us about what the experience was like being an ambassador for Belize? That's a very honorable position that you held. Well, thank you. Um, I had been a diplomat before in, in Washington, as I said. That's where I first heard about program for Belize. Mm-hmm. Um, in Europe, it's different in that, of course, the Europeans are our biggest donors. Most of our money comes from European sources, so there again, I was, and I've always been, and I continue to be involved in environmental issues. So I was a spokesperson for um, the African Caribbean Pacific countries, actually, on climate change issues. Absolutely a fascinating job to be a diplomat for your country. And I, I, I really hope and that more Belizeans would get that opportunity to spend time, even if it means that if you're not a diplomat, you're able to go and work there for three to six months, I think that that person would be a completely different individual for for having um, done that time in another country working for the country of your birth. So I I enjoyed that. I was very much involved in everything that um, Belize was, was trying to do. For example, tourism, we had tourism fairs, trying to get the Europeans to come to 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 Belize, or issue has always been that they have to stay in overnight, and they just don't like to stay overnight in the United States. 
So when we get to the point where they could come through maybe another country and then come to Belize, there is a great uh, desire because Europeans are actually environmentally conscious, maybe more than some other countries, to, to want to visit Belize and see what we are doing. Right. If I'm not mistaken, the um, young environmental activist Greta Thunberg is from a European country, right? That Germany in particular, correct? Mm-hmm. Very correct. Mm-hmm. Right. I thank you for your time with us. I just want to say home. one thing. Um, it's, people would say, well, you know, you studied finance and all that, then you got into the environmental fields. I'm not back in, in, in finance, but I think that in all NGOs, no matter if it's environmental or social or or whatever, that the person at the top should have managerial skills and and um, be able to to shepherd people with proposal writing and everything else. Because really and truly, at the end of the day, it's really about business and about money to make sure you get your um your your you achieve the, what you set out to do. So as far as I'm concerned, the environment and the love for the environment and always working. Uh, in whatever way I can for the environment will be something that I will do for, for as long as I can. Okay. Well, since since you mentioned how this, the aspect of money is always involved, whether um, it is in this field of science or in the field of medicine, whatever field it is, there are some people who believe that, well, Overall, the world over, the use of renewable resources will not be as fully utilized as it can be because the big money is in making oil and oil companies. What do you make of that type of theory? Well, absolutely. I mean, um, there is this very strong lobby, more in the developed countries than, of course, Belize and and countries that produce um, oil, that, that is their sole basis for being, and they will always uh, object and, and do their utmost to make sure that people continue to use fossil fuels. But I believe that the, 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 it's changing and people are, are experiencing the bad, adverse effects of, of climate change. And this will, this will make the policymakers move faster um, to use renewables. So, yes, you are right that the, the industry will not just fall down and bleed it. Mm-hmm. But the many young people these days who will be the leaders of tomorrow, they have only grown up hearing about climate change, right? So I think that as they become the future leaders of tomorrow who will draft these bills and pass them into law, that it should be much easier to make the changes necessary to do away with fossil fuels and be fully sustainable fuels, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's this change all, all over the world, and it's the young people that are in the forefront, and they should be, because if you think about it, Belize is below sea level, Belize city, and if we were to have uh, rises that we think will come with climate change, Belize city will no longer exist, and that's your future and the future of the students that, uh, that are under your care. So I think both of these things working together will make the changes happen and happen much quicker. Okay. Thank you for your time today. I now have some interviews of students on the sand trip to the Rio Bravo La Milpa station. One of my guests today is Maya Pollard, a fourth form student at SCA. At this moment, we are out in the jungle at the La Milpa area. Maya, 
would you recommend this trip to another student? Most definitely. Like, it's just, it's weird but also very interesting to come out somewhere, like, where there isn't much but, like, a lot of things you don't really see every day. Like, at the minute you came here, you can smell that the air was fresh. Like, you can literally smell it. Like, it didn't smell anyway, but you could smell, oh, wow, that's is, this is fresh air. And the wildlife and stuff, like, it's just interesting to just walk out after you woke up and then you just see, like, birds that aren't pigeons. <laughs> it's just, it's very interesting. So I definitely um, recommend it to another student. If you smell what the jungle is cooking. Okay, so... Um, we're halfway through, right? Um, on the first day, we went to the water treatment plant and we also went on a night trail. And before the night trail, in between the water treatment plant, we went to a Maya ruin. Out of those three activities, which was your favorite and why? I'd have to say that um, when we went to the water plant, mostly because uh, the lady that explained it to us um, explained how they purified the water. She was, she was um, very... She was very nice, actually, and she made it pretty easy to understand. And I found out that, oh, wow, like, me as a student, like, it wouldn't be hard to go, okay, I could learn, and I could actually work there. So I, th- I think that was probably my favorite. And because it was, like, surrounded by water, and I kind of like water. Okay, and the food at the place, how have you enjoyed the food so far? Well... Me personally, I don't eat a lot of things, but I found here that I actually ate more than what I expected to eat. <laughs> so it was really good. Like I honestly had to thank the people that made my food like personal because it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It had like like fry jack. Like even just like the fry jack they made was like oh my god, it was so nice. Definitely. Right, I agree. Traditional Belizean breakfast but very well done. Yes, exactly. My other guest today is Jesse He, another fourth form student of SCA. Jesse, how have you enjoyed the trip so far? We're halfway through. It was nice. Um, I think it's really inspirational and you can find yourself at peace. Uh, overall really good experience because you get to see a lot of things you don't really see at home or like just out on the street so it's good okay right now in the background you can hear some birds tweeting we saw many different birds this morning when we went bird watching what was your favorite bird that you saw a gray cat bird a gray cat bird. I've never heard of that before. Can you describe it for our listeners? It's just gray and it's pretty small. Usually stays on the ground because um, it feeds on insects and small worms. Okay, so last night on the night trail, last night on the night trail, we um, were rained out. But before we were rained out, was there any cool thing that you saw? A yellow tree frog. A yellow tree frog. Man, my group didn't get to see any yellow tree frogs, but that sounds pretty cool. Um, and how are you enjoying the food so far? We had supper and breakfast so far. How have you been enjoying the food? Man, I loved it. I was hungry from like 5 o'clock this morning. It was amazing. 
so full, so satisfied, so content. Okay, thank you very much. So now it's time for five for five. What I will do is I will ask you five rapid fire questions. Um, for you today, I have prepared some names of social media sites or apps. They might be real or might not be real. So if you think they're real, say yes. So if you think they're not real, say no, not real, fake, whatever, right? So first one, Twitter. Real. Real. You know that one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Next, Tumblr. Real. Real. Next, number three, Weibo. Uh, I don't know, so I have to say false. I don't know that. That one is real. It is a Chinese blogging site. Right. Yes. Number four, Reddit. Yes. Yes, that's real. And number five, Flickr. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. All of those were real. Okay. But some of them have some really weird sounding names, right? Yes. 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 And then, as I say, this is really the end of what the young people do and um, and, and and know. So I'm glad I got four out of five. Yes, you're, you're very with, with the times. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you too, man. Thank you very much. So the conservation of areas in Belize has been very deliberate and intentional. But now I leave you with a little story of a discovery in science that was rather unintentional. I take you back to the year 1800. Infrared radiation, or what is simply called IR, was discovered by accident by astronomer Sir William Herschel. He was investigating the spectrum that was previously discovered by Isaac Newton. You may be familiar with the fact that if you take a piece of glass and you let sunlight pass through it, it will split up the light from the sun into seven different colors, namely red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, or what we call Roy G. Biv. That was discovered by Isaac Newton, and later on, Sir William Herschel wanted to investigate if different colors of light had certain temperatures associated with them. So what he did was, he had a prism break up the light into the seven colors, and he put a thermometer under each color. And as scientists usually do, they would have a control group. So what he did was, he put an eight thermometer outside of the light, right next to the red And to his surprise, it was the thermometer that read the highest temperature. He had inadvertently and by accident discovered infrared radiation. And as always, I leave you with the wise words of Sir Albert Einstein. Don't let schooling interfere with your education.